0: The following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm
1: Chapter 26 Act of Humility Nendra strode purposefully down the long, fungus-lit hallway. The colored illumination fell upon her features, as red purple, blue, and deep yellow. She was being escorted by two spiderkin kin, Nezari, who had found their goddess Olirame by their arrogance, and who had been, as punishment, eternally enslaved to her will. Their forms had been changed. They retained their humanoid bodies from the waist up, but below, they had the abdomens of tremendous spiders. The spiderkin were vicious in combat and made excellent guards. Nendra glanced sideways at them and admired their forms, which were those of two muscled and attractive males. She could see why they were chosen as sentinels by the Lady Kiaran, And yet, despite their fallen beauty, they also served as a reminder that Kiaren was the voice of the goddess in this territory, and that any who crossed her would share this fate. It was the price of arrogance, the price of betrayal, the price of failure. The corridor concluded with a stone wall "'upon which had been carved a six-foot stylized relief, "'eye-like, thin, which was positioned vertically. "'The eye was pressed shut by and enclosed within an oval, "'which bulged slightly from the flat surface "'on the right and left sides. "'This was the entrance,' to the Lady Chiaran's inner sanctuary, and Nendra had been summoned here to answer for the deaths of her sisters. Almost never was counsel granted within the Lady's sacred space. It was simultaneously a great honor, but also an event of deep dread. Within the inner sanctum, it was considered an act of sacrilege, to appear clothed before Kiarin, and so, as an act of humility, Nendra was commanded to strip and surrender her weapons. This she did efficiently, though she was conscious of the fact that her wounded thigh, which was weeping, was arousing the hunger of one of the Spiderkin. Meanwhile... The second sentinel moved to the carving and whispered the secret incantation that would allow entry. A moment later, the raised design parted and the space revealed was large enough to allow passage. One of the Mazarri priestesses, also nude save for a thin silver circlet on her brow, came out into the hall and acknowledged Nendra's arrival. The priestess had the power to heal or harm, but of course Nendra's wound would not be healed before the lady had cast her judgment. The priestess did, however, lay a cleansing ritual upon Nendra, which was intended to purge all deceit from her in the presence of her lady, as well as all of her ambition. Nendra could feel the spell's power through her body, which trembled in response. This was no empty display. The power of the priestess would compel her to tell only the truth.
0: Return to your posts,
1: said the priestess, and both Spiderkin obeyed, taking with them Nendra's belongings. Nendra shook her head, trying to recover from the vertigo of the cleansing. As for you, Nendra, of the house of Despanus, the lady must not be kept waiting. The priestess gestured towards the portal, and... Masking the trepidation and fear, ignoring the rapid beating of her own heart, Nendra stepped over the threshold and into the presence of the Queen of the Dark Elves, the voice of Lirime, Lady Kiarin of the House of Thrall. I, your maze master, greet you upon your return. I thank you for downloading and sharing the show, and I bid you now to take heed, for tonight's story has only just begun. Ready yourselves.
0: The Iron Realm awaits.
1: Iron Realm, copyright A.B. Lenzo, is the world's first play-by-podcast RPG campaign. A portion of tonight's female voice performance was drawn from audio originally created by and offered by Ashley Eddy through freesound.org under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Further information can be found at theironrealm.com or at theironrealm.blogspot.com under this episode's show notes. My sincere thanks as well to you, Ashley, for your masterful
0: contribution to the Iron Realm cause.
1: Secrets of the maze Master. Maze, Master. maze Master In a maze of hostile creatures and scarce resources, battle is inevitable. And when it comes, the best defense is the sword, the club, the bow, or even your bare hands. Tonight, damage and weaponry in the Iron Realm. In combat, opponents must be reduced to zero life points or fewer, or else must be driven off by breaking their morale. A show of force is required either way, and some methods are more effective than others. When a character scores a hit in combat, he or she deals damage to the opponent, which is deducted from the opponent's life points. Totals. Creatures and opponents, of course, will be attempting to do the same with the means at their command. A human or demi-human is never truly defenseless, for even with no weaponry, a person can fight with fists which deal one life point of damage on a hit. Otherwise, an improvised weapon can be used, such as a rock, and most improvised weapons deal one to two damage, or, in rare cases, more. However, when they can be found, weapons will deal yet more damage, for they are specially designed for this purpose. Only a character with basic training in a given weapon can use it to full effect, while a character who is not trained will deal only half damage, which is generally calculated after all bonuses have been added. Further, any form of missile or thrown weapon suffers a penalty of one to hit when in the hands of an unskilled wielder. Elves, dwarves, and halflings have an almost instinctive knack for nearly all forms of weaponry, while humans normally begin with an understanding of only two, although fighters and warriors start with basic training in four. All character types can eventually improve their selection of weaponry or their skill level as they gain in character levels with the first improvement happening at level 3 for humans, and a level 4 for demi-humans. Elves do not have any additional restrictions on the weaponry they are allowed to take, but dwarves may not use the longbow or the two-handed sword, which are too large for them, though a battle axe or a polearm is permitted. Halflings must have weapons that are still smaller than this and are not able to properly use longbows or any human-sized two-handed weapons at all. For example, a halfling is able to use a short sword, but a sword must be wielded using two hands. Halflings do, however, benefit from an extra bonus of one to hit when using any throne or missile weapon. Of the human types, Fighters may learn to use any kind of weapon, while wizards may only use daggers, staves, or similar. Clerics are not allowed any weapon that pierces the skin, and Rogues are not permitted any kind of two-handed melee weapon, although Rogues are able to deal double damage or better when striking from behind with a successful backstabbing attack. Melee weapons typically rely on strength, and so the damage dealt by such a weapon is modified by a character's Strength Bonus or Penalty. If other modifiers apply due to magic or other factors, these further modify the total damage on a hit. And further, the Strength Bonus or Penalty will also apply for purposes of scoring a hit. While with thrown weapons or in missile combat, it is the bonus or penalty associated with the character's dexterity score that will modify the chances for success. A hit will always deal at least one life point of damage to an opponent. It is also worthy of note that missile weapons or thrown weapons gain a bonus of one on the hit roll when in short range. No bonus. At medium range, at a penalty of one to hit, at long range, the range does not generally affect damage except with specialized weapons. For reference, I will end this segment with a list of the most common weapons and the damage dealt. For each weapon which is commonly thrown or shot, the short, medium, and a long range increments will also be given The weapons summarized here are only some. Indeed, there are hundreds of different weapons, of all kinds, within the Iron Realm. The following weapons deal 1 to 4 life points of damage. Dagger or knife, 10, 20, 30. Sling, 40, 80, 160. Club, torch. The following weapons deal 1 to 6 life points of damage. Longbow, 70, 140, 210. Shortbow, 50, 100, 150. Crossbow, 60, 120, 180. Handaxe, 10, 20, 30. Spear, 20, 40, 60. Mace, shortsword. Short sword. Warhammer, Sickle. The following weapons deal 1 to 8 life points of damage. Sword. Two-handed battle axe. Katana. Flail. The following weapons deal 1 to 10 life points of damage. Two-handed sword. Two-handed polearm. Some spells deal damage, which is unique to each spell. Some creatures and opponents possess teeth, claws, or other defenses. Damage is unique to each creature type. There are often new offerings on the Iron Realm website's extras tab. Have you procured them all for your collection? And while you're there, Travelers of the Maze, be sure to leave a comment on your favorite podcast. We'll see you there.
0: (laughs) The Onyx Vault Centuries there have been rumors of its existence. I tell you now that it is not a myth, an impenetrable vault made of black onyx, deep in the tunnels, hidden, guarded, warded. Inside are held the most elusive treasures. The rarest treasures reserved for the greatest friends of the show. Pre-release podcasts every month give our greatest defenders secret knowledge of the future. Forewarned of those events yet to come before anyone else on the planet. Plus, who knows what other rare items and extras will be trapped into the vault as time goes on, for those who have journeyed in the Iron Realm and wanted more. Rise to the call, unlock the secrets of the Onyx Vault. Your long-awaited reward awaits. Get the key. Visit Patreon.com/slash. The Iron Realm, and to be you rewarded. Access to the Onyx Vault is a gift from your Maze Master, and appreciation for exemplary support of the Iron Realm. I thank you for your generosity and for your brave exploits in defense of the Iron Realm.
1: Tribal matters. Although the fire is likely to continue to burn for a long time, Treya manages to fish the snakes out using her polearm. She spears each one through the neck. Then, one-handed, holds the polearm behind her in order to carry the serpents back to the base camp. Indeed, by the time they return, this meal will have been Thoroughly cooked. The unbroken oil vials are recovered also in a similar way and returned into Amazon's cave. The two groups communicate with each other through the flames briefly, and rather than wait for the fire to die down, the groups agree to take slightly different paths back. To the base camp, Amazar and the rescue party, now satisfied that their others are safe, will return back the way they came, planning to meet the others at position 3113. while Stockholm and his will take the southern way, turning east past the trap door by which they entered level 1 alpha, and continuing onward toward the base camp, there will be a separate set of roaming creatures checks for each group. First, the vanguard, moving at a mere 30 feet. They will reach the rendezvous successfully by 11 o'clock p.m. As for Amazar and the others, they have not relit their light. I now make their rolls until 11 o'clock p.m. At 10, 20, the rescue party has reached position 3016. There is a flapping sound in the distance. A listen check for Kai and Lilena. Each one is oblivious, but they do not remain so. They are attacked by a flock of blood crows. A strange apparition, seeming very bird-like, but with sickeningly elongated, piercing beaks. As the creatures arrive, the group readies its weapons. A surprise roll for the group. Not surprised, they are ready for the fight. As for the blood crows, also not surprised. It's on. Initiative, the group. A four, the blood crows. A two, the group turns the attack to their advantage. Kai, with his sword, attempts to hit the blood crow nearest him. Blood crows have an armor value of seven, and so Kai needs a thirteen to strike, owing to his weakness by the malady. He swings. A four is a fail. Lilena pulls her sword. A six. She fails as well. Amazar is down to five torches and five flasks of oil. He produces a torch and gets it lit with the tinderbox. Meanwhile, Kaylana casts Invisible Shield. And last, Len approaches, swinging her mace. A one. Len will be unable to attack this round or next. The blood crows descend. The first one targets Amazar. Amazar has an armor value of nine. The Blood Crow flies wide, missing the dodging wizard. The second Blood Crow goes against Kaylana. With her shield, she has an armor value of four. A nine misses. The next Blood Crow against Lilena, failing with a one, and not being able to attack next round either. The next Blood Crow, number four, goes against Kai, dive-bombing, eighteen. He takes two points of damage, and the creature grapples to his arm. It has attached to him, and will continue to suck his blood. The final Blood Crow goes against Len. But with a seven, it fails to strike her. Round two, initiative, the group, a five, the blood crows, a two. Kai turns his attention to the blood crow on his arm, and he tries to stab it with his sword. It should be very easy to hit, so I'm considering it to have an armor value of 10. Kai succeeds but deals only a point of damage to it. Amazar joins him and tries to strike it as well. He does so, four life points of damage. The blood crow is killed. Elena attempts to strike a blood crow as well, but she must take a minus four blindness penalty and a further minus one for the malady. She needs a 17. She strikes. She brings her sword down, doing two points of damage to one of the blood crows. Kana takes aim and throws one of her daggers. Eighteen! She slays a blood crow as well. Last comes Tamik. He is wielding a short sword, and he strikes. Eighteen! He deals two points to yet one more blood crow. The Blood Crows have a bravery of nine and are now tested. Two dice. A seven. The Blood Crows continue the attack. Of the four remaining, only three Blood Crows can make an attack. The first one against Kai. A seventeen. Elves must be delicious. <laughs> Kai takes a further point of damage as the blood crow attaches. The second blood crow. Also against Kai. And another hit. And another life point of damage. Get them off me, says Kai. Get them off. Get them off. One more blood crow. Also against Kai. But this one misses as the elf wildly swats it away. Round three. Initiative. The group. Two, the blood crows. Two, simultaneous combat. The blood crows on Kai continue to suck his blood. He will take a further five life points of damage, which will fell him to the ground. But he will get to strike back before consciousness leaves him. The fourth blood crow, against Tamek. It is unable to strike the halfling, and the final blood crow, against Lem. It is unable to penetrate her chainmail armor. I'm starting with Kai, who attempts to kill the blood crow, which is attached to his chest. He strikes, and one more blood crow is killed, Uh. before the elf falls to the ground. Amazar moves in to help him, going to his fallen form. And stabbing at the bird on his back. Sixteen. Amazar slays it. (laughs) Kaylana (laughs) takes another dagger. Throwing it in the air at another crow. An eight. Not enough. Len swings at a blood crow too. A three. A failure. Lilena gives it a try. But of course she has her penalty for blindness. A three. She fails as well. Temek is last, and he comes in with a short sword, swinging furiously as his eyes roll into the back of his head. A nine. Not enough, dear halfling. Round four. Initiative. The rescue party. A two. The blood crows. A six. Because more than half have fallen, another bravery check is required. A nine. The birds stay and continue to fight. The first one, against Kaylana. Eighteen. It somehow buzzes by her shield, attaches to her breast, and begins sucking her blood. Three life points. The next blood crow... Flies against Temek, but the psychotic halfling is too much of a target for the evil bird. The vanguard returns the attack. First Kaylana, against the bird which is attached to her. Eighteen! One life point is enough. She takes its head off with her dagger, then pries the beak out with her knife. Len goes to help. A 4 fails again, 10 A 13 is just enough. He deals two points, spearing the bird and finishing the fight. The rescue party is still on their feet, thankfully, except for Kai, who is down to negative 4 life points. The daggers thrown during the combat are recovered, while Kaylana also obtains the bodies of the Blood Crows, which may serve as a future meal. Len and Amazar will cooperate in the task of carrying the man, while Lilena will assist by carrying his gear. 65 level points for the Blood Crows. The rescue party continues reaching the rendezvous. Len and Amazar take a break from carrying Kai and pause to examine his wounds. It is determined that he shall be okay. By eleven o'clock Stockholm and the Vanguard have reached their location and yet they have no further time for discussion for the Dice Show Another roaming creature is near. I have been your Maze Master, Abel Enzo. Remember,
0: play hard
1: or go home.
0: Iron Rail.
1: Good night, everyone.